Hey, welcome to the Thoughtcast. Hey, Dawson, what's going on? Hey, just hanging out on a snowy holiday day. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, we're recording this on the observed Veterans Day. Um, and then, yeah, you were way up in Minnesota where things are probably changing drastically weather-wise. Yes, indeed. The white Christmas is approaching and is imminent. Winter has come. Mm -hmm. And you Californians wouldn't know anything about that unless you've, of course, traveled. Yeah, I just used my heater for the first time last night. So, uh, <laughs> for me. Oh, oh, boy. Wow. What, what did it get as low as 60 or what? Um, it's, yeah, it's probably gotten down to the low 50s at the lowest so far. But yeah. Just 23 degrees right now for me <laughs> enjoying let's see my what does it say here oh yeah 77 degree weather here in la all right nice which uh contrasts heavily from the subject that we're discussing today dawson what are we talking about today we're talking about the grinch brought to us by illumination entertainment animation studios that's right whatever they're called mm -hmm. dr seuss's the grinch as it's written on IMDb. But um, yeah, it's uh, the latest in the line of Dr. Seuss animated movies produced by Illumination Entertainment uh, and, and Universal Studios. And um, I'm not tremendously familiar with a lot of their Dr. Seuss work. I think Horton Hears is the only one I've seen. Okay. Other than this, no. Well, that'll form a little bit of a point of comparison for us but for the most part i think we just went in with a fresh mind and uh had i guess our main point of reference being the uh, ron howard version of uh, heck yeah how the grinch stole christmas from almost 20 years ago 18 years ago now um that moment yep. at least i've got my one and only point of reference mm -hmm. there is no other grinch film except for uh, animated shorts well okay um, you start in like what um uh what were you oh I, I was gonna ask i was gonna ask you what what did you what did you think of and yeah just i mean I, the one and only grinch that doesn't that doesn't mean there can't be another grinch film i just mm -hmm. i love i love that old grinch so much but mm -hmm. yeah no what what did you think of the grinch yeah just walking in the movie um just seeing it with the fresh set of eyes um i Thought it was fun. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily great, but it was enjoyable and definitely um, great for the younger audience. Definitely, there were plenty of moments where I laughed, but um, you know, overall, I didn't think it was offering anything too insightful or revelatory uh, as a film. Um, just kind of a fun taste of the holiday season going into the 2018 holiday season. And I think this movie will definitely form uh, its own class of people who, uh, for whom this is the definitive Grinch movie. Of course, we, we have, I guess, several generations now who each has kind of their own preferred version of the Grinch. And this, I think, works as kind of our definitive computer animated version of the Grinch in the style of, you know, previous Illumination movies like Horton Hears a Who um, and the Lorax. Yeah. Um, I guess I, 
I, I'm a pretty generous moviegoer. I mean, I, I want, I want the film to succeed and I, and I, I, I generally want the films I go to see to succeed. So, uh, I saw it with my fiance and, you know, we laughed. There's plenty of, there's plenty of cute little moments that I, I, I guess I laughed at. I don't remember what they are, uh, but definitely throughout um, and afterwards, just left with a, a pervasive feeling of lameness. Um, it was just kind of lame, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, have, have really no strong opinion other than um, I, didn't, I didn't really get any of the heart of the original story. That is for the, the original story, it's so short. And, and for, uh, because Seuss is a genius, obviously, it's, it's really gripping. And the message, and he's a very frightening character, and the message is very clear, you know, by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I don't, I don't know. This one, it was like, is this Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, or is this just a very loose retelling of the story? I mean, Pharrell Williams's rhyming was so abysmally subpar to <laughs> Dr. Seuss's uh, original poem. Uh, well, yeah, because at least Anthony Hopkins, most of in that in the that Grinch, the Ron Howard Grinch film, most of the Anthony Hopkins narration was straight from the story, and there might have only been like a line or two that was straight from the story in this. That's one. what I thought was and, weird. Um, they yeah the narration like this movie I feel like was striving to be a bit more faithful adaptation to the book than you know, the Ron Howard version, but the Ron Howard version was much more faithful to the actual text of the book. Yeah. It just, it was, it was much right. Cause like how faithful can possibly a movie with, you know, that many characters and that much backstory and that much, you know, there's so much going on in the Grinch that obviously is so far removed from the, that simple original story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet all those elements stayed in the in the Ron Howard version and then there just was more to get to know about the characters and and then in this one um yeah like nothing really was there in any direct I mean like like Max pulling the sleigh for instance Mm -hmm. what kind of exegesis did they do so that that was a, a positive moment for Max and where the Grinch was like Max I'm going to do you the honor of letting you pull my sleigh. And Max was, I'm so happy to pull my buddy Grinch's sleigh. Are we just buds? No, the Grinch had a, had a terrible, awful idea. And he saw, I, I, I just remember, I mean, as far as I remember, it's fairly obvious that the Grinch is being a selfish jerk when he forces that tiny little dog to pull that tiny little sleigh. Yeah. Um, well, that's an interesting point about the character of the Grinch. Of course, uh, none of our comparison between the um, the book and these film adaptations would be valid without also mentioning the Boris Karloff version from the 1960s. Yep. And that's just a straight rip of, of, of the book, right? Just, like he just narrates and then there's animation along with it. Pretty much, yeah, direct adaptation uh, from from the text of the book. Um, with with some e- eerie oogie voice acting from from the Grinch uh, himself, and then the Fahu. That's I'm assume that's where they invented the Fahu Dore's Who song, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, that's okay. I think where they first uh, introduced that whole song, which has appeared now in every film version. 
Yeah, I think that that it's a staple. I, I don't. I think you kind of have to. I mean, well, they obviously wouldn't have had to do that, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's something that everyone kind of now just understands as part of the part of the Grinch yeah. story. Yeah, that that original uh, version is directed by Chuck Jones, um, famed oh, uh, animation. That would explain why it's so good. Yeah, um, narrated and um, providing the voice of the Grinch is. Uh, Boris Karloff, of course. June Foray plays Cindy Lou Who in that original version. She's a legendary voice talent from uh, the early days of television animation. Recently passed away. Oh no! And yeah, that that version is only twenty six minutes long. Mm-hmm. A nice, very, very. Oh, what a lovely little TV special, you know, direct adaptation of The Grinch. I mean, it's it's pretty much perfect. Um, and then the Ron Howard one is wild in feature film live action i mean it's and i know i think it has like a lot of critics uh or whatever but yeah gosh what a, i just man i i i like how zany it is honestly i think it hit kind of the right mark um and you can see where that sort of approach can go very wrong in the form of the cat in the hat yeah <laughs> uh wow but um but it had phenomenal it had phenomenal structure and characters and Jim Carrey's performance is just yeah so endearing. A lot, a lot of great details in that movie, but yeah, a lot of people would probably, uh, you know, those who would prefer the latest version, uh, you would say that it it just has less filler in it than that Ron Howard version did. On the other hand, I feel like this one is all filler, it, like all just milk toast filler. Um, well, yeah, at and, least the filler in the Ron Howard one was kind of interesting, provided some. Yeah, providing backstory and exposition and um, some interesting on character story. moments. Yeah. I, I mean, there are, yeah, everyone's got like a kind of a developed arc. I mean, between the mayor and the the love interest, Martha, Martha May, and then the, and the family, like you can, there's so many memorable, quotable, it's so quotable, scenes are so reenactable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and absolutely not at all the case with this, with this new one, which yeah. is, I mean, you know, you can't, well, such uh, incredible work that they put into to the practical effects of that original thing. I mean, it was, it was just a huge effort on the part of the studio and it paid off too. that movie made all the money in the world, um, back in 2000. It did good, good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was the highest grossing, uh, movie from the year 2000. And think, oh, this works. We'll make the cat in the hat. <laughs> the the incredible amount of work they put into like the prosthetics and the sets of that movie just made it um, spectacular. I guess as just in terms of sheer visuals. But um, yeah, the latest one, of course, taking from the Illumination animation style, which I'm not a fan, really, to say the least, of of a lot of their stuff. Oh, same. Yeah. Um, and I, I've also heard from another, like, I haven't looked at any of the reception for the Grinch other than, um, on their IMDb page, they have the, <laughs> the audience score, uh, which isn't that great right now. Um, but you know, it's, it's not meant for necessarily adults as well as kids type audience, because that's just not how illumination films have, have necessarily operated marketed themselves or i mean i i liked despicable me the first one i haven't seen the secret life of pets it seems like their their model is to 
let's make a movie that will allow us to make billions of dollars off of endless sequels and spinoffs and uh, mm-hmm. and toys and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, the way I heard it from one person is that the appreciation that they have for Illumination films has never gone beyond it being something that is, you know, entertaining to kids. Yeah, and I think that, and that's a, I would say a fundamental flaw in storytelling anytime I, you know, would, that's a kind of that literary critic idea from C.S. Lewis and, and so many people, which is like, if you're, if, if adults can't enjoy it, then why, why make it for kids? Or what are you trying to, what do you want your kids to see? Or like, what kind of stories are you telling? And like, it wasn't like this one had all, it, I mean, it had, I, I really liked that Cindy Lou was trying to do something nice for her mom and you, and her selflessness was, was coming out that way. And um, she was a really fun character, uh, beautifully voiced by uh, my, my friend, Cameron Seeley. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a chance to work with her and uh, before she went on to provide her voice to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, I was beaming from ear to ear every time I heard her sweet little voice just coming through this character. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that was interesting, but just never really interesting enough. The stakes were never really high. The Grinch was way too nice. Uh, he was he just yeah. <laughs> sort of misunderstood. And then and the morals of the story were all t- these very just kind of vague. Um, I was alone and now I'm not. Thanks to you. Merry Christmas. And it didn't, it didn't seem to critique commercialism at all. I don't know. Just, what? I have no idea how to explain. I haven't taken the time to think about it, but just kind of like every step of the way, the beats of like what led the Grinch to hate Christmas and what led him to decide to steal everything and how he decided to do it. It was all just kind of kind of muddled and lame. And Well, the- everything in this movie is very like vague, how they um, yeah go into a lot of these, these details. And a lot, lot is left just unexplained. And and I think that's okay with the style of film where it's meant to be obviously very stylized and just bearing very little semblance to uh, you know real life physics and you know real life hmm. uh, situations like when they were carrying a nine hundred foot tall pine tree and and when the the little who was who was hoisting it there's he's in this little capsule with a little propeller spinning at two miles per hour and I was just watching that propeller like that's not doing anything <laughs> yeah I guess uh, I, I thought that was kind of cool just seeing the tree flying like through the, the air the, yeah where did they find this monolithic pine tree like wow <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's a similar situation to um, previous iterations of the who mythos the who's are this civilization who apparently live on either a speck of dust or well, inside each in snowflake, inside like the one on your sleeve, lives a whole world. You must see to believe. Yeah, yeah. That was always that. I man, as a kid, that was an example of one of those perfect opening five seconds where, like, all that's on the screen is swirling snowflakes, and you know that inside every single one of them is this whole world, and that was so exciting. And I always hoped that it like. It, the camera might accidentally zoom into a different snowflake and then we'd get a whole completely different story. But because, you know, movies obviously don't work that way. But, <laughs> but it, like, I mean, it raises so many it questions could. about like, 
how does this society work? Are there other who's and other villages on the same? No, are they all obsessed with Christmas? Yeah, why did the Lord Christ come and <laughs> save the souls of the who's? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was well that that great cataclysmic event which was done on Earth uh, had its ripple effects throughout the in, the entire cosmos. There's there's a good um. Yeah, well, how did they find out about it? What, what do they know about <laughs> the human world? The the Eldila um, are trans mon, tra, uh, transient creatures uh, who live in the the field of Arbol and um, can are, are spirits outside of space and time, and they can. They can manifest themselves, okay. angels, basically. Oh. The Eldila are angels, and they can appear to the Who's. Um, what are they? And the Who's what were the... singing. They were singing. Uh, what was the when they did the West Side Weird? Oh, that was great. I want to get into that. But Eldila, what what's that from? This is from the C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, because you know <laughs> previous versions of the Grinch have all been strictly secular. I think they're really the only non-secular taste that we get is simply the use of the word christmas and yeah um, this version actually had a, a great i i really enjoyed this moment of the west side story you know dance fight rendition of god rest ye merry gentlemen yeah that was that was pretty wild that was, that was one of the more creative and interesting moments of the film i thought yeah, and I, I know I noticed that too. Like, oh, they're singing to save us all from Satan's power. That it's like, yeah, they're. I mean, just hearing those lyrics out loud in a children's movie, I was like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a song everybody knows, but you know, no one. So uh, the the movie gets points for you know not being overly sanitized for that. Um, but in other yeah. ways, it's like it's like it, in other ways it was too. Yeah. Well, in other ways, it was like, yeah, you know, you never know what happened to Cindy Lou's dad or anything specific about their situation. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. of course, the Grinch's backstory. Why is he an orphan? Why is he green? Um, I love that. There was a great moment, though, uh, where he's going back up to his uh, mountain after the shopping spree and like his, um, you know, quote unquote friend played by Keenan Thompson, Mr. Bricklebaum catches that he's got uh hair dye yeah his. green hair dye. Yeah. i was like whoa is the grinch not naturally green is he is he who fur colored like everyone else that's what i was wondering he's, at first uh but he's a green child in the flash yeah yeah he's just he got the hair dye to do touch-ups <laughs> to cover up the gray oh. To cover up the gray. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I think it was called I also, I, uh, green or gorgeous green goddess hair dye. Gorgeous green. <laughs> yeah, I definitely chuckled at that. And when he put on like the green fur pants that were indistinguishable from the rest of his body. That was interesting. I mean, that was a yeah great <laughs> sight gag. I mean, this movie is really just a vessel for a series of gags. And I mean, I, I certainly felt some of the emotional impact at the end, but that was probably more of a product of just being familiar with the Grinch story overall. Yeah, because they, yeah, that's like, that's such a huge moment. It, I mean, it, it, it came without packages. Yeah. It came without bags. It came without packages, boxes, and bags. I screwed up the order of the words. Well, but. yeah, you, you really can't help but well up whenever you see that, you know, in whatever form. And I, I don't remember what happened. Like, they discovered the presents were gone 
and they got away from the clues so quickly, which I guess in the original story there, you don't even, you don't even see the who's perspective. You just, you're with the Grinch and then the sun rises and you know that they're coming out and it's Christmas morning. And then you just hear them start singing. And he's like, they, um, he infers from that, that Christmas came anyway. But yeah, I mean, they come out um, and Cindy says something, but I, I don't, oh, I like, and they don't even know who the Grinch is. So they, like, because uh, he could wander around the city and be seen by people. Like, they didn't see, he wasn't this, like, famous legend like he was in the Ron Howard movie, mm-hmm. which was a, I like that take on it. Um, yeah, and then. Well, they they sow the seeds of the Who's eventual eschewing of any real material love of Christmas um, with Cindy Lou's, you know, insisting that Santa provide something that can't be, you know, that's not simply a toy or, or a gift. Her wish from Santa is just to, um, you know, lighten the load, you know, that's been placed on her mom. Oh yeah, she thinks it's her fault. She thinks it's her fault that they took the presents away because she thinks Santa did it. Yeah, she had her um, encounter with the Grinch when he's stealing their presents. And uh, yeah, he describes how he um, you know is gonna fix their tree, but then also Cindy Lou describes her predicament. Is it is it because Santa was just so shocked by her not wanting presents that like yeah, or maybe the like well, if you want your mom to if you want things to be easier on your mom, I'll take away everything that makes you know like preparing for christmas or having to shop and having to buy i'll just like i'll simplify your life and then that'll that'll make everything easier like like by taking away presents he was giving a present i i don't know if that was in the movie at all and i I don't even remember i because i think i was just trying to i guess while watching it i was always very and i I, because i'm accusing the movie of being vague and i'm describing it so vaguely but just like wondering I don't know. I like what was it? What was it saying? What was it trying to to do? And I don't know. It, it just didn't didn't have a lot of weight. It was floaty. It was soft. It was light. It was clean. It was easy. Um, I mean, it, it was simple. Gave me sort of uh, flashes of the Peanuts, Cindy Lou and her gang, kind of having their own little childish. Uh, mm-hmm. adventures yeah, they were, and, yeah, they were, they were you know childish concerns and, and yeah i i think uh, she did a great job just you know portraying the youthful innocence of uh this character who really only appeared very briefly in the book but it's a good way to sort of flesh out the film in sort of a, a feature-length format her friends she had <laughs> one of her friends is grouper it's an interesting grouper. name yeah uh, of course, two the other two boys were Axel and Ozzy. If you caught that, two classic rock figures. Oh <laughs> man, Axel Rose and Ozzy Osbourne. I don't, I, I don't know if that I didn't hear. I didn't must hear. have been. <laughs> and then the the other girl, I guess her name was Izzy. I just remember hearing the names Axel and Ozzy, being like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they never they never like did anything. Like the kids got it. Well, yeah, what? 
they did that reenactment of like Santa coming down the chimney, uh, which I thought was hilarious when um, oh. Grouper comes out the chimney and, um, you know, is reciting what he thinks, you know, Santa Claus would say yeah, that was cute. as if he's in a, <laughs> yeah, one of the girl, I think it was Izzy is like, this isn't a school play. Just critiquing his delivery because yeah. he sounds, right. you know, that's stilted, recitational. Yeah. Why am I in a costume? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, then why am I in a costume? And then, yeah, this, this, they set up their trap, which like ensnares his outfit and rips it off. Yes. <laughs> it was a boy on screen for a, a minute there. Uh, I'm glad kids movies still do that. Because right. nakedness is so funny in in a, when you're a kid, and then it becomes something very different when you get older. Um, well, like, at least he had a cookie to uh, cover his shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that, yeah, that they whole the trap and it traps the Grinch. But then, I mean, but then that's the end of that arc. You know, very um, convenient how the Grinch ends up being ensnared. With, uh, of course, Cindy Lou's house being the last house. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> what, 260-some houses, even though hers is, like, right in the middle of town. It's. I know. I was, I... Yeah, 200. I, fe- I feel like it was, like, 265 or something um, in seven hours. And then he has to clear out everything from each of those houses. <laughs> um I, I guess he probably even took down to the last can of who hash, even though that line I don't think ever occurred. You definitely no. see who hash in the movie. Yeah. He like um and or the <laughs> even uh, let's see, until there was nothing left but some hooks and some wire. And he even stole the last or log. you know, the log from the fire. Yeah. And the, yeah, I, I was, yeah, it was amazing just how thorough the Grinch was. Yeah, seven hours, 200 some houses, which is, you know, 30, you know, 30 plus houses per hour that he would have had to. <laughs> right. It's, it's obviously a wildly impossible, as impossible as Santa. So I guess, is it impossible that Cindy Lou's house would be the last? There's just a difference between implausibility of, of action and then implausibility of like plot, like plot convenience, I guess. Or yeah, I'm I'm not knocking any of the no. kind of cartoon shenanigans, but th- that is interesting. How um, there there is no Santa in this movie. Yeah, and yeah, he's uh he's not real, just like in well, our world, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of frustrating to me. I because yeah, I feel like the the target audience for this movie is going to be people who are convinced right. that Santa Claus is real. <laughs> I mean, that, gosh, like that just in the Ron Howard Grinch, fat boy should be finishing up any time now. And then he's got the binoculars and then Santa flies off and says, oh, Merry Christmas. And then the Grinch is like, all right, come to undo everything he just did. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, of course Santa's real in their world. Um, so yeah, that was, yeah, like, and you've got all these wild, like weird who's doing weird, wild things and wearing weird, wild outfits. And then she gets on the bus and she's wearing like the most modern nurse outfit ever. I'm like, why are there nurses in, in who world? You shouldn't need those. Like you're, 
you hand out free wreaths to children on a on and you you bounce on boy bounders and hang on it's out of yeah um oh it's i mean you want to tell you want to tell such a relatable i mean obviously like what a relatable scenario you're a single mother with some kids who's working way too hard because of her love i mean that's that's beautiful that like little nut is so beautiful and i really could have been really powerful in the film i mean i guess i mean she also we assume ends up with a grinch in the end that was a pretty pretty oh well no (laughs) yeah just the slightest of obviously he's a single dude and she's a you know single mom she thought it was hot stuff yeah yeah the grinch i mean he's he's sort of yeah like he's not totally estranged from whoville he he does have to come down and shop you know periodically uh, yeah he's it was like funny a sad how bachelor grump yeah yeah I, it was funny the reason that you know compelled him to come down during the christmas season which he was planning on not having to do by stocking up on food beforehand but <laughs> his reason because of all the emotional eating he's been doing oh gosh that was a great little montage of him just totally gorging himself on yeah. all manner of that massive spaghetti plate. Yeah. Pretty, pretty silly. That was fun. So some other cool details in the city of Whoville were like the, the bobsled shoots that people throw back to Omashu. That always <laughs> from Avatar the last year. That got me emotional. The moment I saw just shoot it's sliding and then you think of avatar and then you grab the uh snowball machines were kind of cool yeah like all the kids in whoville must just have killer arms oh gosh huh the wars yeah the snowball wars live or live or die by that code in in whoville the uh grocery store is called who foods who who foods <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, great uh, to see Angela Lansbury back in something. They wheeled her corpse out of the nursing home to lend a voice right. to the mayor. <laughs> How old is she now? Um, I I leaned over to my fiance and said, "She's still is she still alive? Is that Angela Lansbury?" Um, I she's been eighty for years now. Like, well, okay, uh, she was born October sixteenth, nineteen twenty-five. So that makes her ninety-three years old. I'm like. I'm one of those things that finding out she's still around. I'm so happy about that. I she's yeah. so charm. I love her voice so much. And I mean, I can't believe that she wasn't Mrs. Potts in the live action version. But yeah, what happened there? Well, I mean, do we even want to get into that? I mean, beauty. No, like my my. <laughs> it's. I think it might be my my favorite, least favorite movie of all of all time. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I. I didn't mind yeah, live action Beauty and the Beast that much. I didn't love it. Um, but you and I both like hated the Jungle Book. Yeah. Which is such a contrary opinion to most people. I do not understand how we're a minority in that. I, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it or, or whatever. And that's funny that we agree. I mean, I, not that like I think I don't necessarily know that we have like our critical bedrock of it that's inside each of us i don't know that that's set up to be contrasting to each other i mean we don't always agree on everything but um 
Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're far more similar than we are different, but certainly we have our differences. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, man. There was no, there was that, that. That was the only live-action Disney movie I really wanted to see because I just, I just wanted to see adults cosplaying. I wanted a direct rip. I, I wanted it to be frame by frame a live-action repeat of of the Disney animated film, which is artistically terrible like you know that there's no reason to make that movie but if you're gonna make that movie i just that music and it's all so good and it's so fun that exact story is flawless just as it is throw some live i don't know that's we're not talking about beating the beast but anyway it, um well, there's one little pun that i thought was kind of clever in the movie when like the grinch he's he's starting to feel inspired when he thinks of his idea to steal christmas and so he gets into his workout clothes and he goes up to Max and he's like, abs, Max. It all starts with the abs. <laughs> and then he, he smacks his abs. And so literally abs smacks are the key. Abs smacks. It all starts. Abs smacks. Abs. <laughs> abs. Ma oh my gosh. That. Wow. That's deep. Wow. Yeah, he smacks his abs. Abs max. It all starts with the abs smacks. It's like a palindrome, a visual palindrome. Um, mm -hmm. Max was cute. Illumination does dogs very well. That's what Jillian said. She she likes really likes the secret life of pets, which I haven't seen. And I heard it was funny. Um, so Max was cute. Uh, didn't care for the reindeer much as a concept. That was filler. That was all. Fred. Fred. <laughs> And the screaming goat. <laughs> yeah, I, I man, this whole movie. I, I guess it's so not. I I I feel like it's. I just it's not worth having a strong opinion about or really. So I. Yeah, I mean it. It benefits from not being overly meta or pop culture based. Yeah, they didn't like try particularly hard in any direction. It's go time. This movie has inspired kind of the conversation of live action movies that should be remade into animated movies. And I'm wondering if you think there are, there are any that um, are that ripe for that kind of thing. Ever been done? Well, I mean, sort of with this movie here, uh, but it's it's been done. Uh, the Prince of Egypt, for example. That was a live action movie, and then they remade it. The The Prince of Egypt is basically a remake of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but the Ten Commandments is three hour, six hours long, and Prince of Egypt is an hour and a half. Well, it doesn't have to be exact. No. Just you know, it's okay. It's a, okay, well, yeah. It told it told the story of the Exodus the way that the Ten Commandments told the story of the Exodus, but then added music numbers because it's a musical 
and a thumping good man like yeah some of those well i mean yeah the original conceit of the film as relayed by jeffrey kassenberg to steven spielberg was like i want to do the ten commandments yeah only animated wow I well, this isn't a remake of a live. This isn't an animated remake of a live action movie. It's just another adaptation of of something. I mean, they obviously didn't. I don't even know if there was one loose reference to the live action Grinch movie. Oh, actually, you know what? I take that back. We, my, yeah, there like a cat flew on his face. Um. When he oh, was, yeah. and so there were a little, and I think there were there were more stuff like that a little bit throughout, um, but I can't remember what they yeah. were. I, I just don't, I don't have I mean, any. The Grinch being as technically savvy as he is, that too. The whole yes, the the, the he has he's wildly scientific. He's got inventions and the, everything. That's that's a carryover, a holdover from. And I, I thought maybe they would expand on like the idea that he starts rhyming once he gets into his like villain mode. I don't know if they really did I, much no, with that. I, they didn't. Um, but he he he's not afraid to rhyme in the movie, even right. as the Grinch. Like he doesn't kick himself if he ever starts to rhyme. He, yeah, he's not because he's not um, he's not so evil and single mindedly single minded in his hatred for Christmas. He's just a sad dude uh who mm-hmm. really doesn't like christmas that much and then gets inspired to do something that outlandish um mm-hmm. it's not like this direct oh yeah I, I man the more evil and like wickedly wicked you make the grinch appear at least i just that's that's where so much mm-hmm. of the fun is that that iconic sinister sneer of his uh in the chuck jones and when he keeps smiling bigger and bigger and it curls all the way up his face you know what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about right and just how creepy that is um that's gotta be there i just i really think it does in order in order for the story to be what it is he's really creepy in the original in the original illustrations too he looks different but he's scary he's a scary boy max you know the rules sleep in your bed and I sleep in. Max, did you teach him puppy eyes? Fine. There was a lot of kind of viral marketing for this movie uh, in the lead up. Um, And some of it I thought was great, like the billboards that they were putting up around LA with just a portrait of the Grinch smiling like a very, you know, crap eating smile and saying a bunch of just snide, sardonic things like, oh, I'm sure you'll make it in Hollywood. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're trying to become an actor? Let me know how that goes. Or, Or stop moving to LA, it's full. There was a really good one I saw yesterday for the first time, which is actually, um, um, I snuck gluten into your smoothie. I snuck gluten into your smoothie. Right next to a poster that said, um, there's no way you're making it to yoga class. There's no way you're making it. That's yeah. Some of them you know, have, having to do with like the traffic of LA. Amazing. And others just, there's the one that's like, 
I'm contractually obligated to be here. I'm contractually. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Some are more directly insulting. Others are just like super sarcastic. And yeah, so fit the tone of the character. And Benedict Cumberbatch is affecting his voice a little bit. So he sounds a little more nasally, kind of dweeby. Um, but I think an, there was enough of the batch that came through to where like I wasn't totally put off by just the weaviness of his voice. Boris Karloff has just such that signature deep resounding voice. Yeah, like you hire the guy with the most Boris Karloffian Grinchian deep you're a mean one you're a mean one voice in Hollywood and then have him do none of those things. Uh, and Yeah, instead he just kind of sounds like that guy who you know got uh butthurt when you made a rude joke at the latest office meeting yeah i mean he could have been played by ed helms yeah yeah exactly he sounded like ed helms but uh i, I mean he, he did a good job i i can't knock it. well of course they do a good job and you know it's hard to knock i mean animating what the heck it's like your movie was okay and fine but boy like the work that you put into it that's just amazing well, thank you, Dawson, so much for joining me to talk about The Grinch. And um, we're happy to be in the Christmas spirit here. Tune into the Thodcast every week for conversations about animation. All right. Well, Merry Christmas in November, Dawson. And Merry Christmas to you, Philip. Bye. Bye. <laughs>